Welcome to the latest edition of the Wide Open Podcast. Joining us tonight on the Wide Open Podcast, fresh off his win at EnduroFest and preparing for his assault on Erzberg and then taking on Last Dog Standing, 2014, 15, and 17 EnduroCross champion, Tennessee Knockout champion, 2013 to 2017, 2010 National Trials champion, and six-time X Game medalist, Factory KTM rider Cody Webb. Cody, thanks for joining us on the Wide Open Podcast. Yeah, happy to be here, being part of you guys' show tonight and uh, just discussing a bunch of random things regarding the dirt bikes and racing. So we were talking a little before we got on. I just want to want to tell you thank you very much. I'm stoked uh, stoked that you came to our little dog and pony show. I think uh, no one's going to believe that you're actually on it until they hear it. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate you taking some time out. You were saying that uh, you're leaving for Erzberg tomorrow. Yeah, I got to. Uh, I got an idea what I got to pack. I mean, you, you, when you race and travel all the time, you know the essentials. So I, I got to pack tonight. Cause I don't want to do it tomorrow before I leave. So, you know, straight after this, it's just prep work for the hardest race in the world. So let, let's talk about that. I mean, I'm sure that when you decided that, uh, or when you when you started racing dirt bikes, well, let's start off with that. How old were you when you started racing? Um. I don't know exactly. Uh, I think the first time I was on a bike, I was three or four years old. And then I actually competed in trials forever at first. I was riding trials events on a Honda 50, probably when I was six or seven years old, I would say. And then just kind of kept progressing and moving on from there. So you started out going straight to the to the difficult types of, of racing. You didn't work your way like from motocross in, into this. It, it was This is where your heart was from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I was a strictly a trials rider, and hard enduro wasn't even a thing, you know, when I first started riding. I mean, Erzberg is, was around kind of, I think, when I first started, but it wasn't even known as, like, a hard enduro event. That whole thing wasn't tagged or even a thing at that point. It was just a really tough event. So, uh, you know, I grew up riding trials, which is obviously super technical-oriented and very... <laughs> Rocks and logs and creeks are always included. So, you know, I rode trials forever, nationally, internationally. And then growing up, my mom always told me dirt bikes were dangerous, so I couldn't have a motocross bike. And <laughs> when your mom tells you you can't have something, you know, when you turn 18 or 19, uh, you go out and buy yourself a dirt bike. So that's what I did and started riding enduro. <laughs> of course. So, I mean, you were – so you kind of evolved into the extreme enduro stuff as extreme enduros were were evolving. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just in the short time span I've been doing this, uh, the diff- level of difficulty and the progression of the riders has drastically improved in the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm doing stuff now I never even want to thought was possible five years ago. So it's pretty crazy to see, like, how the sport is evolving so quickly. Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, I've watched a bunch of your your videos, and and I can't even believe it's the stuff that the, the stuff that we see you do professionally is the stuff that uh, you know you dare your buddy to to go do that because you want to see him get hurt or wreck his bike. Yeah, fail. <laughs> and that's so, what I do for fun. Yeah. So, what kind of stuff do you do to train to prepare for that? I mean, what what's so? I guess the better question is, so what? Give me an average day in the life of Cody Webb. Uh, well, I guess obviously it kind of depends on what type of season or series I'm in at the point. But lately I've been doing a lot of 
hardened row riding. And for that, um, I'm not doing so much of a sprint stuff. It's kind of more like going out and exploring. And to me, honestly, it depends on the day or who I'm riding with. Um, you know, there's times where I'll go out to an area that's really far away and we'll spend, uh, you know, easily five hours at least out there. You know, we'll bring a tank of gas, extra tank of gas with us and a little bit more slower pace, but it's kind of like that. Your heart rate's not as high, but it still takes fitness. And then there's other days where I actually set up almost like a, a special test of sorts, but really technical stuff. And I basically just do laps on really difficult terrain and this gets my heart rate up more. So I'm kind of doing a mixture of slow endurance building, like a, you know, being able to be consistent and practice technique. And then there's days when you're killing yourself and sweats pouring out of your helmet doing short loops. So it's, it all kind of depends on the thing. And also I do a lot of mountain biking. I kind of live right on the backside of the Santa Cruz mountains and Santa Cruz is really known for its mountain biking. So to be honest, I feel like that's great cross training because we have a lot of insane downhills people ride around here and it's almost frightening. And I feel like it is actually good practice for the hardened road bike because I'm doing all the same stuff, but now I'm doing it without a motor. So it kind of helps with like using body technique instead of relying on the bike. Yeah, totally. I can imagine how the balance on a, on a mountain bike really translates into the balance that you need for for the motorcycle, for the type of stuff that you like to do. Yeah, and especially like with like technicality and bike form, like I always tell people to ride on the toes, on the balls of their feet, kind of their toes, and you know, being clipped in on a bicycle, you 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 have to do things right the first time and 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 do things correctly when you're clipped in, and it also teaches you how to use your legs and ankles a lot more as kind of to work with the bicycle, and I think it helps transfer over into on the enduro bike as well. So do you have like one standard type of uh, routine that you that you follow regardless of the of the type of race that you're preparing for, or do you switch it up? You know, like you've got Erzberg coming up, and then and, but then you've got Last Dog after that. Is there a different training program that you would have for the different types of races? For Last Dog and Erzberg, they're honestly, I mean, they're two completely different animals, but it's a similar style of racing. Um, you know, I wouldn't call Erzberg a sprint, but it kind of is at the same time because everyone's just battling for it. And I would consider Last Dog more of like a sprint style race. You know, there's the shorter motos. I mean, they're not that short, but, you know, compared to a day like Romaniacs when you're out on the bike for at least five hours, um, you know, you just have a different pace. So for it's like Erzberg, Last Dog, I'm kind of doing, um, you know, a couple hours out on the bike and little you know breaks here and there but i try and always keep moving and um you know for something like enduro cross or super enduro i'm just doing short high high intensity motos on an enduro cross track so that type of training is completely different and i don't enjoy it that much but um it's honestly great for high intensity cardio training and it also transfers over to the hard enduro stuff as well do you have like a, a strict diet that you follow along with your training program? I've gone back and forth between doing really strict diets and it's, it's just hard when you're training and going other places or it's late at night and you've been busy all day. So it's, it's hard to follow everything to a T I've done. I mean, I haven't done every diet. I haven't done vegan or vegetarian, but I've done some keto stuff and, 
paleo diet and um you know for me at home i try and buy if i buy any type of meat um everything is organic just because i want to have what's best for me and you know it's kind of like people who put race fuel in their bike you want to have the best fuel for your bike right you also want to have the best fuel for your body so whenever i go to a restaurant or eat at home i try and stick to uh basically protein fats and carbs and when i say carbs i'm you know i'm not eating pasta i'm eating carbs that are like in vegetables like you know stuff like eggplant broccoli carrots those kind of vegetable style starches and carbs so right you know there's there's people who carb load uh for me i don't do that because it's kind of just more of like a filler i feel like and people want to control their weight um you know if you cut carbs like breads and all those that's the first thing to go and you start losing weight so for me i just you know want to have what's nutrient dense which would be you know chicken and vegetables or meat and vegetables fish and some fruits so for me that's what i find to be the best and makes the most sense when uh when you're racing out of the country do you find it hard to be able to to follow that same routine or do you prepare for that especially bring your own food with you or (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I bring some uh, some of my own stuff. I I use a lot of like Hammer Nutrition products on race day, so they you know they have like Enduro light pills and um, some electrolyte drinks and some of their bars. And just because I know it's organic and healthy, and I think for me it's not too difficult traveling. So I'm not afraid to try things. I think a lot of people are afraid to try something different that they're not accustomed to. Because a lot of times in Europe you're not going to get a normal meal, but I. For me, honestly, I think the trickiest thing is going to Italy because it's so, like, heavy on carb and spaghetti and pasta there and lasagna, and those are what I try and stick stay away from at home. So, for me, that's the most difficult, but, you know, going to places like Spain and other countries, there's a lot of steak and seafood options. So, most of the time, I end up sticking to, like, meat and french fries because it's easy. I know what I'm getting and it tastes good. That's awesome. So I got a question for you. So you've you've raced last dog four times. You've won last dog four times. Um, this year it seems like uh, there's a tremendous amount of buzz around. A lot of lot of different names coming, and with the addition of the way they've kind of changed the format with the uh, with LDS one being a sprint enduro uh, to to basically stage you for for Sunday. Do you are you kind of approaching that differently? Anybody that you know that's coming that you're you're looking at like hey that you know this year could be a little more difficult than the other years that you've done it yeah i think it's definitely going to change things up for sure for me i think that the biggest thing is going to be trying to get the bike set up for that sprint enduro because uh i know what i like for the hard enduro stuff and i know it doesn't work good for going fast so uh you know it works really good in all the supple rocks but hitting things at speed it's a little just wallowy and too soft. So I think we're going to be chasing bikes set up with that. And then there's going to be, I'm assuming a lot of really fast um, district 37 area guys, you know, kind of works and big six guys probably showing up. So it's going to be tough. Um, Luckily, I don't think that's part of the overall in the race. I think it's just kind of staging for qualifying on Sunday. So that might be in my favor because, you know, I'm not, I know I'm a fast rider, but I'm not, I'm not 
uh, I don't like twisting it and holding it wide open for long extended periods of time. So I think that'll definitely mix things up, but I, I like it because it's going to try, I think Craig's trying to get like a new influx of riders because it's kind of been the same guys over and over. And to me, it's, you know, if we want to grow. We got to keep having more and more riders. Yeah, totally. It's the, the buzz around the race this year has been uh, a lot more than I've seen in the years past. Well, especially with adding that sprint and duro, because they got a, you know, like you said, there are a lot of local guys, uh, and some of the, some of the factory GP guys have are racing the sprint and duro. They're kind of dipping their toe in the sprint and duro series this year, so you'll have some of those guys that'll be there. It should be. I'm really looking forward to to watching it. I mean, I race it too, but I I really get a kick out of watching, um, you know, all the pros do battle. Do do you race the same bike? Uh, regardless of what the race is, or do you switch up between two-stroke, four-stroke? Um, the last two, no, last three years now, I've been riding a four-stroke and cross, um, and two-stroke for basically just about everything else. I mean, I don't really do too many hair scrambles or, you know, if it's convenient by my house, I'll do one. It just it depends on the event. I'll ride two-stroke or four-stroke. just depends on the technicality, but you know, with super enduro and enduro cross, there's kind of a lot of weird, sketchy jumps, and it's so predictable to jump a four-stroke. You can kind of just get on and out of the corner, and you have that consistent pull. And with a two-stroke, um, it's kind of a little bit tricky to jump the bike, I feel like, compared to the four-stroke. And, you know, I just the, it's crazy how the, the new KTM four-strokes, are, I think I heard her, like, lighter than the two-strokes, which is bizarre to me, but... Wow. The two-stroke just feels so light for the extreme stuff and so reliable. Yeah, sure, you can get dents in your pipe, but, you know, the bike still runs good. It's not overheating as easily, and, um, you know, it's just a little more bulletproof for the extreme stuff and easier to manage and flick around. So, so you're going to ride the – you'll ride a 300 at the last dog? Yeah, I think I'll be on the new 2020 uh, TPIs. They just released them this week, and – I just rode the new bike for the first time to basically have an idea what I'll be riding at Erzberg. And uh, they made uh, some really good improvements from that first year model with the TPI. And I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. So I'm pretty excited that I'll be on that new bike for last dog this year. You know, I got a question for you. You were, I mean, right now what you're just talking about with the, the new bike and you just got to ride it and that's what they're going to send for you. That That is every kid's dream. Every kid that's listening to this uh, podcast um, who dreams of turning pro, you know, they, I mean, what you just said, that's what they, it's what they drool about. What was that process like for you when you, when you turned pro, when you signed with a factory, how, how did all that play out? I mean, how, did they, did the factory, pursue you or you pursuing the factory i mean i'm sure that a lot of the youngsters who that's their goal would be curious what the what the steps were for you yeah for me i mean it's kind of a really long story and spread out over many years but i guess i can start it basically all kind of began with trials riding and uh at 10 years old i started competing in the the ama national trial series and traveling the world with my family in our motorhome and doing some of those events and at the time I was actually the youngest rider to ever compete in the nationals so you know right off the bat I was super young and my dad was a competitive rider so people had an idea who I was and you know I just kind of kept moving up to the ranks slowly but surely and 
Um, you know, I think being a young rider and showing promise and going to the events and making yourself marketable is what companies are looking for. And I, I went pro in trials at 15 years old, I think. Wow. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a crazy salary or anything, but I got free bike and got to fly into events now instead of driving and, you know, things just kind of keep picking up. And then it was actually in 2010, I signed a one year deal with gas gas for, um, trials and they just, they literally just gave me an enduro bike, like a magazine bike that I already had dents on it and broken clutch lever. And they're like, here, you can ride enduro cross with this, whatever, here you go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in 2010, I was going to school and I was like, well, uh, I'm kind of right on the edge. I'm just going to put in really strong effort this year. And if I don't make it, I had a good run at it. And I started, you know, taking things really seriously. I was eating really clean. I was running four miles a day, a um, couple days a week. And I just got really fit. And I did quite a few of the enduro cross rounds that year, just out of the back, like out of my van, Sometimes my parents showed up. Other times I just went by myself. I went all the way to Indiana by myself from California. And uh, I got third in the final um, enduro cross race of the year in Vegas. And that was huge for me. I mean, it put me, no one knew who I was basically. And I was just some trials kid and showed promise. And I won the national trials championship that year. So, you know, things were kind of in the favor. And then I signed a, basically a factory deal with beta to be a, enduro cross and trials rider and from that point on i was just kept slowly phasing out of trials and riding the enduro bikes i kept seeing improvements and um you know i won a couple races on the beta and i won a enduro cross championship i dethroned taddy basically from wow all the championships he won in america and i don't know i just i just kept working really hard at it and i think the biggest problem with people is they don't notice their weakness. And, you know, I, I had all the technical skills, but I didn't have the whole package and I still don't have the whole package. I could still be a better, but I started going to the motocross track like two or three days a week. Cause I knew I was slow. I was fast when it was technical, but I'd never raced the track. So going to the motocross track, I basically healed my weakness. I wouldn't say I fixed like, you know, totally dug myself out of the hole, but, um, you know, for me, I think the biggest turning point in my career was focusing on what I was really bad at, bad at, and then it basically improved me all around. And then, you know, here we are a couple of years later now, and I've been on the factory um, KTM team last couple of years with Red Bull, and um, I guess I have more experience now, and I'm just trying to hold the young kids off from beating me as long as possible. <laughs> that is such a, that's a great story. That is just a great story. I mean, it's, like I said, there's a ton of kids, and when we see them coming up, I just really, I get a kick out of watching the progression of the kids in District 37 who, you know, they they work, 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 and they're on the verge. Some of them have, you know, stepped into getting, you know, getting rides from, you know, different, you know, different places. And, and uh, I think hearing how you get to that next level from you is, you know, really going to be helpful for, for a lot of these kids. It's, I really appreciate yeah. you sharing the story. Yeah, I mean, I even think with, uh, you know, people who just are focusing so hard on motocross, you know, they, you go to the same tracks all the time, 
yeah, sure, you'll be an expert at that track, but if you go try and qualify somewhere else, you know, you got to relearn it all. So I think, I think it's important for people to be a little more well-rounded and good at everything. You know, I knew I sucked at motocross and going fast, so I worked hard on that. So I think, you know, you can't just get stuck in the same routine and do the same thing over and over and over because then you're just going to start beating your head against the wall after a while. So I think, I think it's important to have fun with it. And that's why I keep doing it because I don't do the same thing over and over. I'm always mixing it up and to get noticed or want to get sponsored, you, you have to try and make yourself marketable to, you know, products or companies. So I think it's, it's important to go to races um, and just keep striving to be better and better. Do you have any, do you have any racing goals beyond what it is you're doing now? Something that uh, you haven't done yet that you're, you're hoping to work towards? Well, I really want to win Erzberg. That's kind of big on my list since I podiumed it twice. Um, I've never done Romaniacs. I did a, a race in Brazil, which was by the same promoters, and it was brutal. So I want to do Romaniacs, but I really don't at the same time because it is like pretty much hell on earth. So <laughs> I want to do it, but at the same time, I don't. So we'll see um, how things pan out, but... You know, honestly, I grew up as just like a trials rider and wanted to be a trials world champion. And then I look back at it now and I've won a world championship, a couple AMA national championships and a bunch of hard enduros. And I've done more than I ever dreamt of, basically. And I'm still having fun with it. And I still keep seeing improvements. So it's kind of like, why stop now? I might as well just keep going. So I don't know what's next. I might as well just stick to what I'm good at because I don't want it to start over. I'm too old now. <laughs> Do you ever see yourself going back to, to your trials routes or has that ship sailed? Yeah, I see myself going back to it, but the ship has definitely sailed. Um, I still got a trials bike and I'll ride it from time to time. And I have zero confidence anymore. And I just, I don't have the effort or time to get back to where I was. And, you know, to me, it doesn't make sense to get back to where I was. I still enjoy riding trials, but I'm totally content with not risking it to do some crazy lines anymore. So I'll go back to it and uh, I'll compete in local events and maybe go to a national if it's in California, but I don't see myself trying to go after it again, full speed ahead because I know where I was, I know where I could be and I'm not there anymore. So I'll be content with just having fun with it. That's cool. So I got a question for you with last dog coming up. What, uh, how, how does that race compare with, with the other races that you raced around the world? I mean, I, I know last Dog's kind of a unique type of event, but in terms of the level of difficulty, where would you rate it against some of the other races that you, that you, that you participate in? Yeah, it's, it's so crazy. Like everyone asks a question like this and, um, it's 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 impossible for me to answer because each race has its own kind of persona or character to it, you know. Like TKO is so different from Rev Limiter or Endurofest or Erzberg and Last Dog. So, you know, Last Dog is kind of event one of its own. And I didn't ride it last year. I heard last year was really rough on the riders and by far the hardest one yet. 
So for me, I think one of the hardest things is just the fact that they hold the race in June when it's like a hundred degrees out and you're just like salt pouring out of your pores because you're sweating <laughs> so fast and it's just like dehydrating before you even realize it. So for me, the heat's rough and the silt hills kill me because there's just no traction to it. So, um, you know, it's, in terms of all the technical stuff, it's not too bad. The tire pyramid obviously is really brutal, but um, difficulty wise, the actual course for me, I don't think is too bad, but when you throw in a hill climb with silt, you just, you can't make it up and you got to start pulling, you know what I mean? So there's, there's quirky things to it that make it, the reason why it ends up being super hard at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm so hoping that it is not uh, as hot as it has been over the past few years. I'm hoping that it, it's been raining down here. Yeah, I know. For, it's been raining here. Weeks. I don't know. We've had some weird, wacky weather. A couple weeks ago, or I think it, when I had Kyle Redman, who's won um, last saw a couple of times, he was at my house riding, and it was like 90 in springtime and then next thing you know it's summer and it's raining so who knows what's going on <laughs> hopefully it rains i'll be pretty happy if it rains the last dog to be honest it yeah. Makes the dirt good. yeah you and me both i don't i don't <laughs> care if the rocks are slippery i want good dirt <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh it was epic conditions there the uh, last weekend they, they had a local race there last weekend i know that uh, the club's been out there doing a bunch of trail maintenance getting ready for for last dog and i mean the soil just looks great but, you know, it, it is Southern California. We get a few days of sun and a little bit of wind, and it'll all dry out. And yeah. It'll be right back out normally is. Yeah. Well, Cody, I want to thank you again for coming on the Wide Open Podcast, and I want to wish you the very best of luck at Erzberg. Uh I can probably tell you with absolute confidence that everybody in District 37 is pulling for you to, to get that win. Um, yeah. So, safe travels. The pressure is real. <laughs> <laughs> So safe travels, be safe, uh, and look forward to seeing you in person uh, at Last Dog. Yeah, no, I'm excited for it to come down, and I think it'll be a, a good time with the sprint race Saturday and kind of spreading the weekend out. So uh, 